0: welcome along to another episode of On The Streets today I want to talk about gear not so much the gear that I've actually got although that will come into it but what gear I should be taking for a family holiday which I'll be going off to in about 6 weeks and obviously I've got a number of cameras but it's trying to decide what cameras to take And what to leave behind, if any. I'm off to Paris for uh, roughly 10 days. And I'm going to take my film cameras with me. But I mainly shoot black and white. So that's fine. So I need one camera with black and white in. But because it's a family holiday, um, I know that my wife will want colour pictures from the trip. So then that means either taking a digital or taking another camera that's got colour in it and to be perfectly honest I don't tend to shoot a lot of colour even digital but yeah so that that's two cameras but then I've also got my Instax cameras which we tend to use them as air fun cameras which basically that's what they are so it's just snapshots of the family on birthdays holidays and stuff so if I was to take both of them that then means I've got my Instax wide plus my square so that's another two cameras so already I'm up to four cameras and that just seems excessive and I'm not sure whether it's a good idea to take that amount of cameras because will I be lugging them around with me all day every day because then I know that that's going to be weighing me down And not only that, the family will start to get fed up with me if I'm swapping out cameras every 5 minutes because I've seen something that I know would look better in black and white or in colour. Now obviously the cameras I've got the choices of other than the two Instax ones are my um, Olympus XA3 which definitely will be coming because it's just so small and handy that you can just shove it in a pocket so that's a definite then it'd either be the Canon EOS 500 which is a 35 to 80mm lens on or my Olympus om 10 which I've got a 28mm lens and a, 58, uh, a 50mm lens and I think probably with that it would probably be the 28 lens because of getting the wider view but then there's also my new rangefinder camera which is a 40mm lens and i'm still getting to grips with that but by the time the holiday comes around i'm pretty sure i'll be um, pretty au okay fait with it and yeah because that's had three, two rolls of film through it and still one in there waiting to be processed and so far the images from it are looking quite good um, So yeah, so that's another camera. So that's like, what are we up to? Five there, six. And I know that's really excessive. I definitely want to take an Instax because they're just fun, but it's whether to take the square or the wide. I've only had the square for about three months and I've not really shot that much with it. And to be honest, I'm not overly impressed with it that much. Uh, much. I've got to be honest, I much prefer the wide camera than the square and yeah like I say the Olympus gives me the option of a nice widish 28mm lens so I'm kinda thinking that has to go as well Uh, it just seems to be a really conundrum of what to, to decide to take and what would be best that the family don't get fed up with me constantly changing cameras and stopping every two minutes does sometimes make you want to hop back to the days when you only had one camera and you just throw a roll of cheap chemist film in there go off and shoot it and be happy this is the problem now with having too many cameras that you just want to take them all with you and you know that it's not really practical so over the next six weeks these are the decisions I'm going to have to make and try and wield it down to maybe I think three at best. So do you ever go out with the intentions of photographing and going out to shoot something or an event and something happens that just totally brings a downer on it and you end up shooting very little or next to nothing Um, this happened to me over the weekend we had a big comic con on in London and I haven't been to one in about four years so I thought oh you know the tickets were all sold out but normally you can go along and um, where it's actually held there's a, a big green and there's like a shelter, couple of shelters there you can stand under, and that. And in the past, even when I've bought tickets and gone, you'd be able to get the cosplayers to come out onto the green, photograph them either there or you'd sit around the green, grab people as they were going past, and be able to photograph them up against these concrete pillars and whatnot. Anyway, I, I decided on Saturday that. I'd go along or even though I didn't have a ticket but you know you'd still be able to shoot people but unfortunately when I got there it turns out that the people that now run the Comic Con had decided to actually um, barrier off all of this area that used to be or that is out the front of the exhibition centre and you couldn't actually get near the concrete barriers or structures or even the green so it meant that it was nigh and impossible to shoot any of the cosplayers, which was, I found as a real downer. And like I say, it, it put a downer on the afternoon. I mean, it, it was only a 20 minute journey from home, so it wasn't like a good miles out of my way to get there. But yeah, um, it made it very difficult because you had nowhere to actually shoot people it was difficult to line them up against anything that was you know a a reasonable kind of background because these concrete pillars were always pretty good because they were quite neutral grey and uh, yeah and because it was such a nice day a lot of people just stayed in in on the green and because it was buried off and they had security there you couldn't even get in there Um, I did call over a few people and ask them you know whether to take their to be able to take their pictures but it was always a cluttered background and I had gone with a roll of Kodak Color Plus 200 which I had done some fiddling about with which I will talk about probably in the next episode when I get the negs back Um, because it was such a downer on the day I didn't even shoot a a roll of 24 exposures I think I only shot about 18 or so but yeah does that ever happen to you that you go off somewhere and you know because of some circumstances it actually just puts a downer on your your day and you just feel as though I don't know the life's been sucked out of you and you just don't want to photograph anymore the anchor analytics app is telling me that this podcast is coming up on a year of me doing these podcasts which is amazing when i first started doing it it was just as a tryout and then a bit of fun in the year i think i've recorded 22 or 23 episodes which is probably quite good actually thinking back when i used to do blogs to do 20 odd posts in a year I think was probably been quite a lot Um, I used to enjoy doing the blogging especially for my hiking and hill walking stuff but back then it was quite easy because I could easily write up notes during the evening while I was out camping somewhere And, um, and then it was just a matter of transcribing them into whichever blog platform I was using at the time But as things have gone on, i found it more and more difficult to actually find the time to sit down and write a blog post. And I always wanted to do a podcast of my, or at least, maybe not a podcast, but at least audio of my trips out. But I never actually got around to doing it, because it always seemed quite complicated. Um, And then with the Anchor app coming along, that's made recording for this photography one quite easy. Like I say, the hill walking um, blog was running for about 10 years, I think. And when I decided to start my photography one, it was just difficult to actually find the time to actually sit at a computer and actually write down what I wanted to do for the blog. So, like I say, the anchor app coming along has made it much easier for recording stuff. And to be honest, this has always just been... A way of me recording what I'm doing for my benefit and if anyone was listening listening as a secondary thing then great I'm quite happy that other people would be happy to listen to what I had to say or what I was rambling on about at times um, I know sometimes when I listen back to episodes they do sound a bit rambly and a bit uh, incoherent sometimes but like I say the main outset for this was always for my journey back into film which I think is now about hitting about 18 months and as each week goes by to be perfectly honest I'm enjoying it more and more and I can't remember the last time I actually picked up my digital cameras even now if I need to grab a quick picture it will be just on the phone and normally that's just for recording purposes you know to a picture of a new camera or um, like the other week when I was photographing the negatives that I'd got back from my expired film and they turned out to be weird green colour there has been some talk over the last few days about um, good podcasts and bad podcasts I don't know what category this falls into it has listeners so that's good I suppose it might be a bad podcast um, but like I said it's mainly done for me and if someone else gets something from it or enjoys listening to my ramblings then that's fine with me. I'll continue to do it as long as I'm enjoying it. It helps my commute each day I can record small segments like this one um, on my way into work and then it's just a matter of throwing it up into something like Audacity to put the segments together you've probably noticed that some of the segments seem to be recorded over a few days which is the way I tend to work if I've got an idea of something I want to talk about I will record it while I'm on my way to work and then if it's a pretty short segment then I'll just keep it and add it in so I end up with maybe 3 or 4 different segments that add up to possibly 10 minutes and I think you know, if I can get a 10 minute audio file up then that's good enough. If uh, it turns out to be longer because I've been out, like, on the last one where there was the bit where I was walking around the City of London, then I will use that as well. My own personal opinion is that there aren't any bad podcasts. I quite enjoy listening to virtually every podcast that I subscribe to. Some I don't listen to every single episode because I just don't have the time and sometimes it doesn't have the information that interests me or they don't have what they're talking about is not something that interests me so if people are talking about large format cameras um, I tend not to listen to that because it's not something that I'm interested in as yet maybe one day but as I mainly only shoot 35mm yes that might be a bit restricting but that's the sort of stuff I like listening to. Yes, you will always find something new even in a podcast that's not necessarily about the sort of stuff that you like to shoot. But like I say, I don't really find many podcasts what you could call bad. Some of the guests that they have on, sometimes are not guests that I'm interested in, but then again, sometimes you'll listen to a podcast thinking, Oh, I've never heard of this person or you know, what what they do doesn't necessarily interest me but you will listen to it and then think oh yeah that, that sounds like a really good idea or you know what they're actually shooting is quite interesting project that they're doing or something like that I think everybody has um, the right to put out what they want put you know have their say get their opinion out you might not necessarily always agree with it but yeah it's good to listen to other people's views sometimes yeah might I say I don't think there's any Bad podcasts out there. So, I'd just like to say thanks to everyone that is listening. I hope you are enjoying it. I hope you're getting something from it. Yeah, I'll, like I say, I'll continue because um, the idea is to document my journey back into film photography. At the moment, I'm enjoying it and it is going well. So, yeah, thanks. Over the last few years, I've been collecting what we call zines or what we class as zines but sometimes they're actually more than the traditional sense of a zine is they're more just like a small paperback portfolio of um, people's work to actually call them zines it can be a little bit degrading because the actual work in them is quite good. Here in the UK one of the biggest suppliers of this type of book or zine is Café Royal Books who normally put out works I think they put out possibly two every two weeks or so, so kind of one a week and over the years I've been collecting different ones of these Um, I've got ones of Ed Templeton uh, Wally Cassidy, Martin Parr and one of my favorites Shirley Baker, Um, the Shirley Baker one I they had a exhibition of hers in the photographer's gallery in London a few years ago and they had produced a book to go with the exhibition but at the time I couldn't afford the book and when I went back a few weeks later obviously it had completely sold out they weren't going to do a second issue of it to actually buy the book it had virtually trebled in price so that was a non-starter but if you can hear me rustling that's the zines that I'm actually looking at now but yeah um, so the Shirley Baker one I managed to pick up one which covers Manchester and Salford in the 60s which was part of her um, era and it's mainly social documentary stuff and like I say they're quite good they're reasonably priced as well around about £6 each one um, and they range from all different things like the Wally is Dublin Punk's Ed Templeton's one's called Lick and basically it's just images of people eating well ice creams or other edible stuff but it's quite interesting recently I've picked up a couple more zines one that was sent by my print swap partner for this past month which was Dan Novak and he sent me a copy of his latest scene called Chasing Waterfalls which are images shot in and around a couple of the national parks um, where he lives his zine has been mentioned on a few other podcasts it is a really nice sort of A5 landscape zine and yeah it's really interesting other than Zine, the latest one that I've also picked up is called The Nuclear Option by Charlie Tom and i met charlie at the photographers the photography fair that we went to a couple of weeks ago and he's part of the your exhibition group and this is from his trip out to chernobyl and um the town surrounding it you know if anyone knows about chernobyl and what actually happened there the images are quite quite stark um even going through them now, you know, like 30 years later. It's uh, a quite a nice little zine. It's got black and white and colour in it. And, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting little zine with all the pictures that he took from in and around the Chernobyl nuclear reactor and seeing the, you know, abandoned flats and places the school. It's quite interesting. I'd say quite interesting quite a lot. Try and stop that. And also, he shot in and around the town of uh, Privyat which was the closest town to the actual nuclear plant. But it's also, yeah, you know, it's very Russian-looking. And he also gives details about each, not each image, as such, but what what went on. So yeah, that's uh, another quite interesting little zine that I have picked up. Like I say, I do like I do like collecting zines. Um, it, it's a cheap option than buying photo books all the time because photo books can be quite expensive. You know that mainly their starting point is around about twenty-five pound. Another one that I don't know where it actually came from, but this one's called Paul Joyce Unseen Portraits, 1967 to 2009. As you would guess, it's portraits. But they're portraits of famous people. So on the cover, it's got um, Samuel Beckett, and I guess you'd call them environmental portraits because they're taken in the environment that these people work in. Although the Beckett one seems to be taken outside a with a pile of dustbins, which is quite strange. But one of the interesting things with it is he's got an actual image. Uh, let me see. Find it with three. Famous photographers, which was taken in 1976, and it's Bill Brandt, Anto Adams, and um, Brassai Yeah, so thing, I I don't know where the where this actually came from, but uh, it's a nice little thing. And you know, I personally I find portraits so difficult to take. I never know. I mean, there's one here of Ken Russell, and basically he's Shot the picture um, with Ken Russell in the lower left-hand corner, and just I know like a chest of drawers at the back, but it looks like there's something like a I don't know a peacock, probably a stuffed peacock, on top of this chest of drawers, and it's just a. I mean Russell is virtually one side of him is virtually completely in shadow. But yeah, it's quite an interesting picture, and I, I, I find the I find portrait images very interesting because the fact is that I'm not very good at shooting them. Um, he's also shot people like, let me see, Jeff Bridges, uh, Rykuda, Quentin Tarantino, Willie Nelson. I mean, like I say, this is up to 2009, but the latest one I can see is actually 1982, but like I say I don't know where I picked this up from But it's interesting how he's gone about posing the people to take their actual portraits, yep just thought I'd do a little piece about scenes and collecting them on a slight tangent but to do with the book that I've just spoke about Chernobyl, um, I don't know whether anyone's actually watched the New HBO Sky uh, mini series Chernobyl, but if you have, and you know it's kind of piqued your interest, the show also has a podcast called the Chernobyl Podcast, where the um, creator, writer, and executive producer actually discuss um, each episode. It's only f- five episodes long, and so far as there's been. Four episodes of the miniseries shown. There's four podcasts, but he goes into you know details about why and how he, he went about writing the miniseries, and also gives you an insight into more things that actually happened and how they um, amalgamated certain aspects of the disaster into the storyline. Like um, I mean. All the characters are based on real life people although there are some characters that were an amalgamation of quite a few people just to move the story along but yeah he goes into details about that and uh it's quite an interesting podcast i've so far i've listened to the first three um and i watched the last or the fourth episode last night so I'm still to download that but yeah if um if you're interested in another podcast they last about an hour I think each so they're not overly long but yeah if you're interested in the series or you've been watching the series and you want some more insight into it um yeah go look for the Chernobyl po- podcast on all good pod catchers okay I think that's it for this episode um, I think I think it's Quite a long one again, maybe good, maybe bad. I don't know, but yeah. Um, if you want to get in touch, you can get in touch with me via the Anchor app and leave a voice message, or you can email me at on the streets at talktalk.net. As usual, you can find photographs and whatnot on the On the Streets Podcast Instagram account. Or you can also follow me on my other Instagram account, which is Flaneur with a Camera. I haven't been posting so much to that recently, because um, basically I've been trying to keep all my film stuff actually on on the Streets podcast. So, yeah. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and bye for now.